you would please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. We want to pick up reading in chapter 6. And this morning, we'll read verses 1 through 4 together. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Please follow along as I read Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray once more together. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come now to consider your word, would you assist us in the exposition of it? May you help us to understand your word and to apply your word faithfully to our lives and to our hearts. We recognize we need you to do that by your Holy Spirit. So come in these moments now as uh, I speak to children, as I speak to parents. Uh, may you make this time to be good and helpful for us and life-giving. We pray in Christ's name, amen. The largest seminary in the world is located in Louisville, Kentucky. It is the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Between Southern's college and seminary, they serve over 5,000 students at any given time. Uh, we have the joy, we have the privilege of supporting three of our members uh, who are actually students at Southern Seminary who are enrolled in that school via uh, distance learning. The president of Southern Seminary is R. Albert Moeller, Jr., who just celebrated his 25th anniversary as president of Southern Seminary. In a recent chapel message just a couple of months ago, Dr. Moeller addressed the subject of children and how they ought to be viewed by Christians in general and by our churches in particular. And he said this in that chapel message. He said, quote, children are to be welcomed among Christ's people always. Wherever children are found, they are to be welcomed by Christ's people. Christ's people are to be more welcoming than anyone else to children. Our churches should not be places where adults cannot wait to put the children away in order to get to the adult task of worship. One of the scandals of so much evangelicalism is that we send people to their rooms as soon as we get to church. He says, now, I'm not arguing against the utility of a nursery for infants. I'm not arguing against the appropriateness of special programs to teach children, much like our Sunday school program. He says, I am saying that when you look at a church and when you look at a congregation, you should see the congregation. You should see young people. You should see young couples. You should see older couples and older people. And you should see those, are, those who are coming into the final season of their life, and you should see those in the beginning season of their life. You should see people sitting in pews whose feet cannot touch the floor. And we should, in church, welcome the wiggling and the squirming. And we should hope that what is happening is that the word of God is reaching those hearts in ways those children do not even yet recognize, end quote. 
I personally affirm Dr. Moeller's sentiments, and I am convinced the Apostle Paul himself would affirm Dr. Moeller's sentiments. One of the reasons I think this is because of the text before us this morning. We have to remember that the Apostle Paul is writing what God's Spirit wants him to write. And we learn in chapter 6 that God wants Paul to address children in the congregation. God has things to say in His Word directly to kids. One of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons we have children in on the services here at Emmanuel Church is because of this very passage. We believe that this letter from Paul, uh, probably a cyclical letter, was supposed to be read in churches among the gathered congregation, and apparently Paul expects that there were going to be kids in the congregation. Uh, he doesn't say, you know, children, uh, uh, excuse me, parents, after you pick your kids up from children's church, make sure you tell them that they're supposed to obey you. No, he expects that, that they were there. They were in the midst of the congregation, and he could speak directly to them that when this letter was read out in the context of the gathered church, there would be little ones who had been listening all the while and would hear them specifically addressed and specifically instructed from God's word. I think it's interesting that Paul doesn't address the children in chapter 1. He doesn't do it in chapter 2 or 3 or 4 or 5 specifically. He gets to chapter 6. So I conclude the children were supposed to be listening all the while. Uh, that the messages conveyed in chapter 1 and following were for the entire congregation. Uh, all that we've learned about God's redemptive purposes in Christ, about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are saved by grace, not of works. Apparently kids are supposed to be in on that. And we get to chapter 6 and verse 1, and we see it as implications even for the way they live their lives uh, with reference to their parents. So kids, hear me loud and clear. Worship, what we do, what we've been doing in the last half hour or so, is not principally an adult activity. Everyone ought to worship God, even small kids. Kids, you're not merely here as guests among us who have to wait for the adults while they do their adult thing. You're here because you belong here. You're here among us because you belong among us. You actually belong here in God's house, among God's people, singing God's songs and sitting under God's word. So children today, because the Apostle Paul is speaking to children, I want to speak specifically to you because the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of God's Spirit, wants to speak to you. But before I do that, I have to talk to your dads, okay? Uh, I actually want to take this text backwards. I want to start in verse 4, address dads and parents in general, and don't want to neglect Paul's instructions to parents there. And after addressing the parents' kids, then I want to address you more particularly. So my main goal this morning is to speak to the children, but I don't want to neglect verse 4. Uh, my comments will only be brief as I think the text is pretty uh, self-evident and speaks well for itself. But in verse 4, we have this statement, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Paul here addresses the fathers in the congregation. And I don't think we need to make much of the fact that he singles out fathers and not mothers. I think everything that Paul says here to fathers would, by implication, extend to mothers as well. And so I'm going to address parents generally with a peculiar interest in fathers responding to this text. Verse 4 gives a prohibition, and then it gives a positive command to fathers and to parents. First of all, the prohibition. 
Uh, the text says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger. Now, parents, I'm going to talk to your children in just a few minutes about uh, obeying you, how it's their responsibility before God to obey you. But at this point, I simply want you to recognize that you can help your children in heeding the call to obey, or you can hinder them in heeding the call to obey. You can work with God's help to create a loving environment in which obedience might come naturally and consistently, or you can provoke your children and present unnecessary obstacles to their free and happy obedience. Consider this quote from one of the commentators on Ephesians. His name is Curtis Vaughn. Commenting on this verse, he says this, quote, the authority, for, excuse me, the authority of parents is for the child's good, not for their own selfish gratification. To make unreasonable demands of a child, to surround him with needless restrictions, or to punish him too severely will deaden his affections toward the parents and check his desires after holiness. Many a child has reached the point where he feels he cannot possibly please his parents and therefore decides that he need not try. Listen to this. It is a wise parent who seeks to make obedience easy for his children. It is a wise parent who seeks to make obedience easy for his children. Notice he doesn't say it's a wise parent who seeks to make life easy for his children. Okay, life is hard. In the words of one of my favorite movies, The Princess Bride, life is pain, right? Life is hard, and kids should learn that even at an early age. But it is a wise parent who seeks to make obedience easy for his children. Parents, you ought to require, I could even say demand, obedience from your kids. You're the God-appointed authority figure in their life and they're expected to obey you. But do you feel the need to make that obedience difficult or challenging for your kids? The wise parent seeks to make obedience easy for his children. The wise parent is not constantly setting the bar higher and higher and seeing how many hurdles he can make his child jump over on the pathway to obedience. It is a, a foolish parent who exhausts and exasperates his child as they seek to obey them. Parents, the goal is to help your children in their pursuit of obedience. Don't put obedience on the top shelf out of their reach. Help them along the way and affirm their obedience. The goal is to keep them from becoming exasperated and exhausted and feeling that the demands are just too great and just too high. Parents, it's right to expect that your children obey you, but there's no need to make it unnecessarily hard for your kids. So parents, I encourage you, seek to partner with your children in their obedience. Become partners with them in the pathway to obedience. This prohibition against provoking children to anger not only precludes exasperating our children, but I think it also precludes a certain heavy-handedness in parenting. And maybe this is one of the reasons why Paul singles out fathers, because maybe he might think that fathers are more likely than women to be heavy-handed in their parenting. Uh, it is almost impossible, I think, to calculate the damage that can be done by a harsh and heavy-handed father. And I know there are some of you here who know that damage, the extent of that damage, all too well. It's my understanding that Martin Luther's father was so severe that even in adulthood, 
Luther found it painful to use the words, our Father, to address God in prayer. Those words did not connote for him the tenderness and the intimacy and the affection they ought to have conveyed, all because he had such a harsh father, at least in large measure, due to the fact that he had such a harsh father. What a responsibility we have, dads. And moms, I'm not leaving you out. Parents, you are God's representatives to that child. And like it or not, your child is going to associate something of the character and nature of God himself with your parenting. What a grave responsibility. What an awesome responsibility. We get to be ambassadors, representatives of God himself to those children who have been entrusted to our care. Parents, you get to represent God himself to your kids. It's a great responsibility, but a glorious responsibility. And so let us not be heavy-handed in provoking our children to anger. So we have seen the prohibition, not to provoke our children to anger. Secondly, to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now the positive command that is given. We have here at Emmanuel Church uh, what we call a church covenant. Uh, it's basically um, a, a document that summarizes our understanding of church membership and what it is that we commit to be and do toward one another. And so even just last week as we welcomed in some new members, we recited that covenant together. And one of the things that we say to one another in the recitation of that covenant goes as follows. We will engage in private worship at home and will uphold the great duty of biblically training our children and those under our care the service of Christ and the enjoyment of heaven, end quote. Now parents, there was a time a little over a century ago when it could be expected that almost every Christian household in America was having family worship at home, usually on a daily basis. And by that I mean that at some point in the day, perhaps in the morning, perhaps in the evening, dad got out family Bible. He led the family in reading God's word. And dad understood it to be his responsibility to make sure that his children understood the Bible. And in many cases, the family memorized scripture and they would even sing songs together and pray together as a family. Okay, now if you want my opinion, this is I, not the Lord, saying to you my opinion, I recommend that every family practice in some form or fashion family worship at home on a regular basis. It might be five minutes in the morning, it might be half an hour in the evening, it might be focused on prayer, it might be focused on Bible reading, but my opinion, my recommendation is that all of you fathers pursue some form of worship at home. That said, I don't think the Bible would allow me to press that upon you as a matter of requirement or conscience, that you must have family devotions every day. I don't think the scriptures require that. I do think it's a wise and good practice though. Having said that, I do think the Bible would allow me to press upon you the solemn and wonderful responsibility of the spiritual training and formation of your children. Parents, God has given you your children, your children specifically, and they are gifts from his hand to you. Psalm 127 verses three through five says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. God have mercy on the people, on the nation, who view the fruit of the womb as a curse. Fruit of the womb are a reward. Verse four, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He won't be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Parents, your children have been given to you by God, and they're a blessed stewardship. 
And God expects that you, as their parents, as their spiritual guardians, will bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So parents, I ask you, do your children know the Bible? Have you faithfully taught them God's word? Do they know about the Ten Commandments? Do they know the marvelous ways in which God worked in the Old Testament and in the New Testament? Do they know about Jesus Christ? Have you made the gospel of Jesus Christ crystal clear in your home? It ought to be that if I asked any child today, what is the gospel? They can give some sort of faithful answer. May it never be that any child leave this church, leave our homes without clearly understanding the gospel of grace by which they can be saved and enter into fellowship and relationship with God. Among the Jews, it's this way today, it was this way in the Old Testament, the most well-known text in the entire Old Testament was Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. It was known as the Shema or the Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 and following reads like this, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So parents, I ask you, are you teaching the truth of God's word diligently to your children? Do you talk about the things of Christ when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise? In a godly Christian home, the truth of God's word, I think, should be like the air that we breathe just in the air. It's this aroma that fills the house. My wife and I have a bit of a, an obsession, a fixation on candles. Lighting a good candle, it'll fill the whole house with an aroma. You walk in, and now what is that I smell? It just fills the house, right? Well, the truth of God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ should be like that. It's just aroma that fills the house. I don't think that, that this text literally means that as we're going down at night, we're talking about the Bible, and as we wake up, we're talking about the Bible, and when we walk up, but there's this this aura, this ethos in our homes that God's truth prevails and it fills our houses and our kids are constantly hearing about the truth of God's word. Now parents, I recognize that life is mundane and routine and busy and hurried, but the truths of God's word should nonetheless penetrate and poke through everything we do in our families. So parents, let's seek together to raise our children in the nurture and admonition, the training and discipline of the Lord. So those are my comments on verse four, my comments to parents, kids. It's all about you now. I wanna speak to you from Ephesians chapter six, verses one through three. Ephesians chapter six calls children to obey their parents. Okay, kids? I wanna ask three questions, okay? And if you're taking notes today, I made this really, really easy for you, okay? There's three points. We're going to ask what, we're going to ask why, we're going to ask how, okay? What obedience does God want from us as kids? Why does he want us to obey our parents? And then thirdly, how can we obey our parents? So what, why, and how? Let's go through this together, kids. First of all, what is it that God is calling kids to in this passage? What kind of obedience is he calling children to? Well, if you're looking at the Bible, Ephesians 6 verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in 
the land. So children, what does God call you to in this passage? Well, very simply, I'm sure all of you could probably answer this question. Verse one says it, right? He calls you to obey your parents and to honor them. See, because God has placed your parents in your life as the authority figures. God knew the parents that he would give you. There are never any accidents with God. He gave you your particular parents to be authorities in your life and to help you and to encourage you and to train you and to raise you up. He placed you in a particular home with particular parents whom you are meant to honor and obey according to this passage. Now kids, what does it mean to obey your parents? What do you think that means? We use that word all the time. Maybe your parents say, now honey, you need to obey mommy and daddy. Well, what does it mean to obey your parents? Well, very simply, it means at least to submit to them, to do what they say, to heed what they tell you to do. So your mom or dad tells you to do something, you need to obey that, you need to respond to that, answer to that, submit to that. But I think there's more kids that we can say about what obedience looks like, what it means to obey our parents. So could see if this helps you, okay? When God calls children to obey their parents, there's three things I want you to see there, okay? God calls children to obey without delay, all the way, every day. Remember that? It rhymes, right? Without delay, all the way, every day. Children are to obey their parents without delay, all the way, every day. First of all, we're we're seeing that children are to obey without delay. What do I mean? What does it mean to delay? So if your mommy or your daddy uh, uh, goes to fly on a plane, okay, and they're sitting there waiting for the plane to come, and then they get that terrible news that we all dread, the flight has been delayed. Now, what does it mean that the flight's been delayed? Well, it means that that plane is not coming in on time. That plane's not coming in when it's supposed to, and there's going to be some consequences because of that, okay? It's it's, it's not coming in at the time that was appointed. It's been delayed. Well, children, we are to obey our parents without delay. And so remember this, kids. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And you adults, remember that delayed obedience to Christ is disobedience. Because you need to remember, delayed obedience to your parents is disobedience. See, our obedience, kids, should be prompt. We should obey right away. Uh, We shouldn't wait. We shouldn't delay. And so if your mom or your dad calls you into the kitchen to come for dinner, and you hear them, but you kind of pretend you didn't and don't respond and keep playing with the Legos or keep playing on the computer game, and they call you again and a third time and a fourth time, and, and, and then finally the fifth time you come. Well, don't pat yourself on the back saying that you obeyed your parents. That was delayed obedience. You ought to have come the first time. Delayed obedience is disobedience. We need to obey right away. We need to obey promptly. So your mom or your dad asked you to do something and requires you to do something. We ought to obey right away without delay. But there's a second thing we see here. We're to obey without delay. Do you remember the second one? All the way. Obey our parents without delay and now all the way. What do I mean by that? I'm simply saying that our obedience, kids, should be thorough. We don't want to obey just a little bit. We don't obey in part. We're to obey all the way. So how does this work out? Your, your mom or your dad tells you to clean your room, right? I want this place cleaned up. I want it spotless. And maybe you pick up one toy, maybe a second toy, 
put it in the treasure chest or whatever, toy chest, and you pat yourself on the back like you obeyed your parents, but still there's all sorts of other toys out on the floor. Did you obey your parents? You didn't obey all the way. You just obeyed in part. But see, God calls children to obey all the way, to do everything our parents say. Not just to obey a little bit, not just to obey in part, but to obey all the way. So we're to obey without delay, kids. We're to obey all the way. And thirdly, we're to obey every day. Our obedience, kids, should be consistent. We, we don't just obey one day and then disobey the next. God wants us to obey our parents every day. And this is how we're meant to live our lives. Our obedience should be consistent. It should happen every day. We should get up with the mindset that we want to obey our parents. So we don't just obey on Monday and then, well, I had a good day, so tomorrow I could throw a temper tantrum or I could you know, see how far I can go because I built up some good points with mom and dad. No, we're to obey our parents every day. So kids, can you say this with me? We're gonna obey without delay, all the way, every day. Let's say that together. We're to obey without delay, all the way, every day. Very good. Now, if I wanted to be really cheeky, I could add a fourth one. Uh, We're to obey without delay, all the way, every day, in a cheerful way. You'd obey cheerfully, right? God doesn't want begrudging obedience, kids. God wants cheerful obedience. God wants us to obey sweetly. So your parents tell you to clean your room and all the while you're grumbling and you're complaining and you have a bad attitude, but hey, you're at least picking up the toys. But man, you're mad. I don't, I don't wanna clean my room. Do you think that God is pleased with that kind of obedience? And we're to obey cheerfully. God wants us to obey from the heart with a proper attitude. And maybe some of us parents need to remember that. God wants us to obey him cheerfully. Let's not pat ourselves on the back if we made that meal for that family in the church. But man, I didn't want to have to do that. But man, I rallied myself and I'm bringing it over. What a hassle that was. God wants us to obey cheerfully. And it's the same for you children. We ought to obey our parents with cheerful attitude. Did you know, kids, that God cares about our hearts? He cares about our attitudes. God doesn't just want us to obey with our actions. He wants us to obey with our hearts. And God has the right kids to tell us what attitude we ought to have and he wants us to have a cheerful attitude. So children, to review or to obey, say it with me, without delay, all the way, every day. And we could say in a cheerful way, okay? So another way I could summarize these points for us is that obedience should be ready and obedience should be steady. We're ready to obey. We, 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 we have this attitude that we're willing and we want to obey God. We want to obey our parents and it's steady, it's consistent. Okay, but now the second question, kids, that I want us to ask. We've asked, what is it that God is calling us to do in this passage? It's to obey our parents, to honor them. But secondly, let's ask this question, why? Why does God want you kids to obey your parents and to honor your father and mother? The passage says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Because why are we to obey our parents? Well, very simply, the text says, because it's right. Because it pleases God. Obedience is the right thing to do. Paul doesn't give us a long list of reasons for why we ought to obey. He doesn't say, well, you really need to obey because you know, statistics show that if you obey, you'll probably have a longer life and uh, you'll be in better health and that's the best way to get in a position where you'll make a lot of money. It's, it's just good to obey. Your... He says, no, no, you're to obey, kids, because it's right. 
because it pleases God. It's the right thing to do. And, and parents, maybe we should learn from this. We don't have to give to our children a long list of reasons as to why they should obey us. Teach your kids these four words, for this is right. They say, why, mommy, why, daddy? Just Ephesians 6.1b, that thing, you know? <laughs> for this is right, kids. It's the right thing to do. It, it pleases God. You don't have to give reasons beyond that. But kids, Paul doesn't stop in verse one. And if you're looking at the Bible, he goes on in verse two to say more. He says that we're to honor our father and mother. He actually quotes a passage. And I wonder, do you know what passage of scripture Paul is quoting there? He's actually quoting from the 10 commandments. The fifth commandment in particular. Recorded for us in Exodus 20 that we're to honor our father and our mother. God gave his law to the people of Israel and one of those laws was that children were to honor their parents. They were to honor their father and mother. So Paul quotes it here, he says, we need to obey our parents for this is right, but also remember what the law of God says. Honor your father and your mother. So we're asking the question, why kids should we obey our parents? Well, I hope the answer is becoming obvious to you. We're to obey because it's part of God's law. It's part of what God requires. It's part of the 10 commandments. It's part of what God told his people he wanted them to do. God calls every boy and every girl to honor their father and mother by obeying them. But what you kids need to see is that this isn't only about obeying your parents. It's about obeying God. Listen, it's important to obey your parents, but it's far more important to obey God. And what God is saying is that when you obey your parents, kids, you're obeying God himself because God calls us to obey our parents. Kids, when you disobey your parents, you're not just disobeying mom and dad. You're disobeying God. You're disobeying God who commanded you to honor your father and your mother. And kids, listen to me. It is never safe to disobey God. It's never safe to disobey God. God requires that everyone obey his law because he is God and we are not. He is the creator and we are his creatures and he has the right to give us his law and expect that we'll obey it. Kids, listen to me. If you disobey God's law, you are not in a safe place. When you're walking in disobedience, disobedience to your parents, disobedience to God himself. Romans 1 verse 18 says this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What he's in effect saying is God's wrath is revealed against people who break his law, who don't obey his law. God requires kids perfect obedience to his law and he has every right to do so. After all, he is God and we are not. So kids, why should you obey your parents? Well, because it's right it's pleasing to God, but also because it's part of his law, part of what he calls you to do. And God requires kids that you obey his law perfectly, which leads to my third question. Okay, we've asked the question, what does God call us to do? Why does he call us to do it? And then the third question we want to ask is how? How can we obey God's command, God's law, that we're to honor our father and our mother? In light of what we've seen so far, kids, it's pretty important that we do that, right? We've got to get this answer right. We've got to figure it out because God requires perfect obedience to his law. So how on earth can we make sure that we keep God's law perfectly and obey his commandment to honor our parents? Well, there are two ways to go about doing this. 
two ways that you kids can go about trying to obey God's law perfectly. The first way is to try to obey God on your own without becoming a Christian. So you can try to obey God on your own without becoming a Christian. This would be to try to keep God's law perfectly and to obey mom and dad perfectly without putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So if you choose to take this path, how would it work? How would it go for you, okay? How do you go about doing this if you wanna choose that first path? Well, you'll have to try your very best to keep God's law perfectly. And it might even go well for a little while. After all, some kids can string together a few good days in a row. It is possible. Uh, You might try this afternoon to obey your parents, and you might do a pretty good job. And then you can try again on Monday, and then Tuesday. Things are going pretty well. But kids, what about Thursday, Friday, and Saturday? What about every day after that? Do you really think, kids, that you can keep God's law perfectly every day of your life? You could certainly try, but I don't think you stand much of a chance. In fact, I don't think you could do it even for one day, not perfectly. Now, why do I say that? Because it's possible to try to obey on the outside, but that's not really addressing the problem. Kids, the problem is on the inside. The problem is our hearts. See, our hearts are utterly wicked, the Bible says. The Bible teaches that we're born sinners. We sin all the time. No one can obey his or her parents perfectly because we don't want to obey our parents because we're born sinners. The Bible says because that each one of us is born dead in sin. In fact, we sin every day. And I don't think I really have to prove this to you, right? Did you obey your parents perfectly yesterday? Did you obey your parents perfectly the day before that? And the day before that? And every day before that? No, we sin all the time, right? Kids and adults, we sin all the time. And no child can obey his parents perfectly. So you can try to take this first path if you like. But I think you'd be foolish to do so because you can't obey God perfectly. You have a sinful heart, kids. And that won't do. Something has to change. Something has to change about you. So what's the second way? This is the way I want to suggest to you. How can we obey God's law? Let me suggest the second way to you. Remember, we're asking the question, how can we obey God and honor our parents in the way he calls us to? Kids, the second way is to obey God by becoming a Christian. To obey God by becoming a Christian. And let me tell you exactly what I mean by that. A Christian is someone who has repented of their sins, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and committed themselves to following him as his disciple for the rest of their lives. And remember, kids, God requires perfect obedience, the sort of obedience we could not possibly accomplish. And this presents a big problem. But I want to show you, kids, that Jesus is our solution to the problem. See, Jesus obeyed all of God's commands perfectly, every single last one of them. Jesus never had a bad attitude. He never had an impure motive. He was perfect. Even on the fifth commandment, to honor father and mother, yes, even on the fifth commandment, he honored his parents perfectly. He never disobeyed them. His parents, Mary and Joseph, he obeyed them perfectly. But more importantly, Jesus honored his heavenly father. Because you see, Jesus was God's only son. He was the very son of God. 
Jesus said in John 4, verse 37, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Obeying his parents was like, like sitting in for a, a four-course meal. He loved to obey his heavenly father. As the son of God, he obeyed his father perfectly. And the most important way, kids, that Jesus obeyed his father was in going to the cross to die for sinners. Sinners like you and sinners like me. He died so that sinful people, sinful children, sinful adults, lawbreakers like you and me could be forgiven of our sins and be saved. And he died even for children who have failed to obey their parents the way they should. And in dying, Jesus became a savior for sinners. Which means that if you go to Jesus, kids, repenting of your sins, all of them, including all the times you've disobeyed your parents and failed to honor them as you should, and if you put your trust and hope in him, his promise to you is that he will save you and he will forgive all your sins. All those times you've disobeyed mom and dad, all the sins you've committed, he will forgive them and he'll make you right with God, but there's more. By becoming a Christian, kids, that is repenting of your sins, believing on Jesus, and becoming a follower of Christ, Jesus will help you to obey the commandments. See, when someone becomes a Christian, their heart is changed, kids. God will change your heart if you believe on him. Christ gives every one of those who believe on him a new heart and a new will that actually desires to obey. He helps all of his followers to become more and more holy as time goes on. He helps boys and girls who are trusted in him to learn how to obey their parents. In fact, if you believe on Jesus, kids, and you become a Christian, you'll find that you have new desires to please God and to honor Jesus by obeying. You won't do it perfectly, but you'll find that little by little you'll begin to change. God will change your heart and help you to obey your parents. And kids, I believe this is the only way to try to obey this commandment. You have to go to Jesus asking him to forgive you for all the ways you failed and all the ways you've sinned, and you have to ask him to give you his righteousness, and then you could ask him for the grace to help you to obey as you should. No Christian obeys perfectly, kids, but we do grow little by little in learning to obey Jesus as we should, and that will happen for you if you go to him in repentance and faith. And so kids, I encourage you. You want to obey your parents, you want to honor your parents, and you want to be saved from your sins all the times that you've disobeyed your parents, I encourage you, go to Jesus. He'll save you from your sins. And he'll give you his righteousness, his perfect obedience, and then he'll help you to learn how to obey your parents. He will be your Lord, he will be your savior. And you can trust that if you ask him to save you, his promise is, he will do it. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we children and adults all confess to you that we have sinned against your law countless times. Uh, even from very young ages, we have acted as rebels against your law and against your will. And if left to ourselves, we would stand under your wrath and under your just judgment. But you've made a way by which sinners like us, those who have dishonored our parents and failed to obey them as we should and failed to obey your law as we should, 
You've designed a way by which we could be forgiven of our sins and be given the righteousness of Christ. So we pray that you would do that for each one of us as we come to you in repentance and faith, believing on you to be a savior to us and also to be our Lord who trains us and teaches us how we can obey, who gives us a new will and new desires and helps us to follow you as we ought. Do that for each and every dear child here and each and every adult, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.